Welcome, everyone. I want to start by telling you why this podcast exists. Here's the thing. If you get out of bed in the morning, you are impacting someone with your life. We are telling a story, and every day is like one chapter in that story. The time will come when there are no more chapters to write, and the people we care about and the people that come after us will simply be reading our book. I don't know about you, but I am not that great of a storyteller, so I have to find an outline to follow. The most amazing outline that I have found is the one that Jesus gave us with his life. This podcast is about talking to people using that outline to write their own amazing stories. Our podcast is produced by Be Fun, Be Kind Podcasts. If you would like to explore podcasting yourself, Check out BeFunBeCon.com to learn how to create impactful conversation through podcasting. That's also where you can learn more about our mission and even partner with us through our journey. You can find us at BeFunBeCon.com forward slash Jesus taught me that. We would also love if you would just share this podcast with someone. Let's get started. Welcome back. Today, we are talking about Christianity and Bitcoin. We have Dr. Patrick Melder, who is a surgeon, entrepreneur, author, and Bitcoin investor. And of all of those areas today, we're obviously focusing on the Bitcoin aspect of your expertise. Patrick, you have a really cool journey to Bitcoin, and I'm really excited just to hear that journey, figure out your interpretation and your perspective of how this mixes with the Christian worldview and really what the Christian audience might be interested in knowing about Bitcoin. My guess is a lot of our audience is going to be new to this subject matter. I know it's a lot of this is new to me, and so I am looking forward to learning today as well. But let me throw it over to you and, and let you open us up into your journey, how you've got here, and what you're up to right now, Patrick. Brent, thanks so much. And I finally have an interesting story to tell. That's awesome. Yes, as you mentioned, I'm a surgeon by training, entrepreneur, uh, a lot of inventions, done a lot of consulting work, but got into Bitcoin in 2018. And like most people who get into Bitcoin, got into it because of the quote-unquote investment aspects to it and wanted to make money. And that's how it started. But as I started learning more and more about Bitcoin, I started learning about these truths within Bitcoin that were eerily similar to Christianity. And in fact, it got to the point it became so uncomfortable for me that I felt like even having these thoughts was blasphemous. And I really prayed about it. It's, Lord, I'm having these thoughts. I, I don't know what to do with this. And finally, I decided to start writing about it. And I published some stuff on Medium. I wanted to go on some Bitcoin podcasts and talk about the intersection of Christianity and Bitcoin. But nobody wanted to have me because I'm... <laughs> I'm a Christian, so I decided to start a podcast and uh, about Christianity and Bitcoin, and it's just it's been a fascinating journey, and I've learned so much, and I'm I am adamant that Christians should be the one group of people that are promoting and um, adopting Bitcoin because of what it does uh, for our society, for our economic system, and for ourselves. And obviously, we can talk about all that as we go on, but I just felt morally compelled to 
get behind this and do whatever I could to tell as many Christians about it as I could. Well, that's awesome. And, you know, I think digital currency and well, Bitcoin is probably the most popular digital currency, but I think just that technology in general is something that's not going away and it's here to stay. And if you think about just a few years ago, five, for sure, 10 years ago, but even five or fewer years ago, this was something that was in the fringes almost. Not a lot of people were really had a lot of knowledge about this, but this is something that more and more people are just starting to know about. More and more people are starting to accept a lot of online payment systems you go to now. They've got a what, credit card, and they've got PayPal, and they've got Bitcoin. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and I feel like it's here to stay. And so let's maybe just talk a little bit about what it is actually for people that might be a bit newer to this. Maybe digital currency, generally speaking, and, and then maybe the specifics to what Bitcoin is. Okay, perfect. And this, I could talk for hours on this one subject alone, but so let's talk about what crypto currency is. The name crypto means cryptography, and cryptography, as we know, has been around for decades. If we're familiar with what happened in World War II, the Enigma machine, which was stolen by the Allies, captured by the Allies, it essentially allowed us to defeat uh, Nazi Germany. But, so that was the first foray into modern cryptography, but secret messages have been passed for centuries to try to make sure that people don't realize what our plans are. So that's cryptography. What's currency is a medium of exchange like the dollar, gold, the pound, the yen. And so when you add a cryptography, a secrecy component to currency, then you get cryptocurrency. And Bitcoin was the first cryptocurrency. All of the technologies within, within Bitcoin had been around, most of them have been around for about 30 years before Bitcoin was created, which is remarkable. And the inventor of Bitcoin, Satoshi Nakamoto, which is a pseudonym, that's not his, their real name, all these things were available, but he had the genius putting all of the components of Bitcoin together, what we call proof of work, the difficulty adjustment, the cryptography to it, the blockchain. He put all that together to be basically create Bitcoin. And it was only after... Satoshi created Bitcoin that we had any other ability to create the other cryptocurrencies that are out there, the what we call the altcoins. And if you're a, a diehard die Bitcoiner like I am, you call the other ones poop coins or, or the vernac common vernacular would be starts with an S and uh, rhymes with hit hit coins. And so what's really interesting about Bitcoin is it's really unique. And this is where the journey and the analysis in comparison to Christianity begins. Number one, you started. You said that Bitcoin kind of started on the fringe. I think most Christians understand what being on the fringe means because most people, especially in a secular society that we're in right now, a lot of times think that Christians are on the fringe. So that's not unique to, Christ, to Bitcoiners, it's to Christians. And the other thing about Bitcoin is it, it makes some very exclusive claims that set it above all other cryptocurrencies. And I spent, I've written a book about this and I've spent a lot of time on this, but there are some very exclusive claims within Bitcoin. And as Christians, we should be comfortable with exclusive claims. Um, Christianity makes some very exclusive claims that aren't claimed by any other religion. And it's what sets Christianity apart. And that's where the comparison begins. Yeah, well, that's good to know. And so this is, also, the sort of the technology sitting behind this 
is is blockchain, I believe. That, and I think blockchain is just a larger technology that can be incorporated into a lot of other things. Right. And, and we'll dive a bit deeper, I think, in, into that maybe a little bit later in, in another segment of, of kind of what that actually looks like from a, a larger industry perspective. Let's address that, Brent, because I yeah. described what Bitcoin is. It's a cryptocurrency. What is blockchain? Think of a blockchain as a database. That's all it is. It's a ledger. Okay. And a, a database, like if you go to the Amazon web service or, or you go to Amazon and, you're, and you type in for uh, a set of plastic plateware or something like that, you're basically accessing a database, okay? The Amazon database is centralized. The Bitcoin database or ledger is decentralized. So think of blockchain as, as a decentralized database, but every component to the block is linked to the previous block, and that's through all this cryptography and what we call proof of work. Each one of these blocks is digitally linked, and it the blockchain, the chain is so secure that you can't come in, what I like to call a digital bolt cutter, you can't come in and cut the chain because it's so secure. Unlike Amazon or, or Facebook, you could hack the system because it's a centralized database. And that's what makes Bitcoin secure. It's a decentralized ledger or a decentralized database. And I think sometimes we get a little confused about what Bitcoin is because we want to make it complicated. But it, it's really nothing more than digital cash. If I walk up to you, let's say you're a vendor at a flea market and you're selling something at your at your booth and I've got cash with me. I look at what you've got in your booth. Maybe you got a trinket that I want to buy. You don't have to know who I am. I don't have to know who you are. I see what you have. You know that I've got cash. I hand you cash. You hand me the trinket, trinket and I walk away. That's basically what Bitcoin is. It's digital cash that does not require trust. I can buy anything with it. I don't have to know who the party is on the other side. You don't have to know who I am. So that's where we get this word trustless, but just think of it as a digital cash. And it's really the cash that was custom made for the digital age. If you think about our, our current currency, the dollar, if you go to Wells Fargo or your Bank of America account and you want to transfer funds around, you're not really moving physical dollars around. You're moving digital, digital dollars around, but you're working within a system of analog the analog system of paper money that was adapted to the digital world and it's almost trying to put a a round peg into a square hole fiat currency or the dollar was not made for the digital environment bitcoin was specifically made for the digital environment with all the security and anonymity that a cash on cash transaction would have. So a lot of people when we think of traditional currency we're used to it representing something so initially representing gold or now representing the economic structure as a whole. And so what would a Bitcoin represent in those terms? Okay. And that's a common objection to what is Bitcoin? What value does it represent? Bitcoin is a completely free market monetary item. So it is not backed by a commodity. Okay. It is the value of it is is strictly dictated by what people want to pay for it, okay? So that it's a complete free market currency, okay? Now, let's compare it to gold. So when gold, and, and obviously gold has been around for 6,000 years, and that's, that's, that's one of the reasons why it's hard to compare Bitcoin to gold because gold is so entrenched within our society. 
there are a lot of similarities. But think about gold. If you're a if you're a gold miner, you're going to the gold mine and you're pounding away at the vein in the rock to try to get the gold out of the ground. You're expending energy. You're actually expending calories to throw that pick or jackhammer or whatever. Then you take that gold, those rocks, and you dump it onto a conveyor belt. And that conveyor belt expends energy to transport it up to the the truck expends energy to take it to the processor and on down the line to the jewel or to the mentor who mints the coin. And then eventually you're going to have to transport that and store it. You're going to have to store it in a vault with energy, air conditioning. The guards that guard it are going to have to expend energy to get to the, the vault in their car. So your fun, the fundamental item or thing that gold is, if you boil it down, is in. Okay. Now, in each one of those processes, when I'm expending energy as the miner or the conveyor belt or the truck or whatever, there's a loss of energy. I'm, I'm sweating. I'm hot. That's a loss of energy. The conveyor belt creates friction. That's a loss of energy. The truck, etc. Now, Bitcoin is the use of it. It's the conversion of energy into a digital item. So we've plugged these fancy computers called ASICs, Bitcoin miners, and we can talk about all that, but you're basically plugging it into the wall. You're taking that electricity, you're doing these mathematical crypt cryptographic uh, problems, and then you're creating this digital token, but you're essentially taking the same common denominator energy and converting it into a money, okay? But with a lot less loss of value. Okay. Every time you lose energy in that gold mine example, you're losing value. And that's why the price of gold has to be inflated because you're trying to recoup the, the loss of value along the way. Okay. That's a good analogy, I think. And I've actually never heard it explained like that. <laughs> that's helpful. And so what is the connection? Maybe dive into this a little bit deeper. What is the connection between this and some of the important aspects that Christians should know that's specific to the Christian worldview, because you, you talk a lot about some of the things as Christians we would read about in like Revelation-style terms. And so let's start diving into that just a bit. In, in what way is this specifically helpful for Christians? And, and maybe start jumping into some of those links. Okay, so I, I think that probably the there are a lot of links, but I think probably the three most important would be, number one, God desires honest weights and scales. And so we see that in Proverbs 11, 1. The Lord dis detests dishonest scales. So God intends for us to have honesty in our exchange of monetary value for a product or service. That's that's base level. Okay. And we know throughout the law that the Lord had pr pr uh, specific provisions to make sure that Israelites did not take advantage of their brothers. The whole not ex extorting usury, et cetera, like et cetera, et cetera, the year of Jubilee. So there's a basic level of fairness that the Lord demands about our interactions. And you can even take that forward to Jesus's overturning the, the money uh, changers in the temple. He was doing that because they were corrupting the house of the Lord. But fundamentally, they were extorting people would come to worship and they'd have to exchange. Maybe their lamb and their offering got defiled on the way and they'd have to um, get a new offering or they didn't have the local currency because Jews came from all over the world. They didn't have the the uh, temple coin. So there was a, a basic level of unfairness that Jesus was demanding that they recognize. So fairness is number one. Number two, we look at the taking care of our fellow man and not participating or not 
wanting them to suffer needlessly, either us knowingly or unknowingly in a system. And we see this in James where the Lord honors uh, us and true religion is taking care of the, the orphans and widows. And one of the things that just morally convicted me when I started studying monetary history and the Federal Reserve, etc., how our monetary policy in the U disadvantages those who uh, are less less fortunate. And there's a reason why the rich are getting richer. And I'm not a populist. I'm a conservative by nature, but there's an inherent unfairness or injustice in our monetary system. And Bitcoin fixes, it really does. It's a common mantra within Bitcoiners that Bitcoin fixes that. And we can get into all that. But I think honesty and fairness and the other thing that Bitcoin teaches you is to delay gratification. And it's what we call low time preference within the Bitcoin community. And the we know that the Lord honors waiting and delaying gratification. And we live within this system that we're not even sure of what's going on, but we're taught to consume. We're taught to take on debt. and But we know that's at odds with what the Lord wants. I've taken on debt and it, it produces this angst within me because I know that's not what the Lord wants. And Bitcoin forces you to think through those things. And those three points alone are should be enough for the Christian to pause and say, what's going on here? I need to take a look at this because this looks like what the Lord would want in a monetary system. Yeah, well, that's interesting. How is Bitcoin delaying gratification? How is it avoiding debt? I'm, I'm not sure that I, obviously I haven't been exposed to this mm -hmm. near as much as, as you or a lot of people have, but I haven't heard that before. And so how is it doing that? Okay. So the way I like to describe this is I've got a, for the audience, I've got a stack of post-it notes in front of me. Okay. And so if I, and I know I can go to Office Depot or Staples and get as many of these post-it notes as I want. So what do I do with something that in my frame of reference is limitless? I can get as many of these want. So I'll write down as many of these notes as I want to and post them all over the house. And fiat currency is like that. When you get your check, your pay, and we know that the Fed is making more and more money to 40% of all the money that's ever been created in the history of the country has been created in the last two years. So you're getting these post-it notes that you go out and spend because you've got so much of it, they're losing value. And now Bitcoin, on the other hand, has a fixed cap of the number of Bitcoins that will ever be produced. It's 21 million. 90% of those coins have already been minted, quote unquote, minted or mined. And so when you're faced with a proposition as a Bitcoiner of, am I going to take that $100 and go spend it on something frivolous, a bunch of stuff made in China that's going to be thrown away the next day? Or am I going to take that $100 and buy uh, a portion of Bitcoin and continue to buy Bitcoin because I know there's only a certain amount of that Bitcoin available? Every Bitcoiner that I know will take that $100 and buy more Bitcoin. And it's a hard concept to understand. But once you understand Bitcoin, you start taking all the money you can and you delay that gratification, delay purchasing that new car and you buy more Bitcoin because there's only so much available and you want to buy as much as you can.
Does okay. That, yeah. I think that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So it's just the scarcity absolutely. is very different. It's a very different mindset. Absolute absolute scarcity. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That is interesting to know. This has been a while back, but I was reading a story. This was a blog article or something. And I think it was Bitcoin. There is a chance it could have been some other sort of digital currency, but I do believe it was Bitcoin. Someone had a a lot, like millions and millions of dollars that were in Bitcoin and they had it locked behind, I don't know, with their digital wallet, and yeah. they had forgotten yep. their password, and they only had so many, apparently there's only so many guesses you can get to log into your wallet. And they have two, maybe two more guesses, yeah, <laughs> and the whole story yeah. was about that. And so, that I don't know, that seems interesting what would be your response to to people worried about that that yeah that story was very popular 2017 2018 and the person put that money into a bitcoin wallet that had a kind of deterministic end to which if you guessed so many times then you wouldn't be able to get access it for 300 years or something like that that's less of a problem now but the the one thing that bitcoin teaches you is responsibility we we have deferred our responsibility to bankers or credit card companies. And I'll just tell you that when you take possession of your Bitcoin, Bitcoin is a bearer instrument. It's a, so when you have it, it's yours. Okay. No, it's not an IOU like a stock is, or like a gold certificate is it's yours. And so you're taking on this responsibility of securing it. And if you don't understand that responsibility, yeah, you could be like the guy who loses his Bitcoin in that manner. But the, there's a whole different level of responsibility when it comes to Bitcoin. And I, I don't have a specific answer to that other than the fact that it is a bearer instrument and it's a whole different level of responsibility. And you've got to understand that if you get into Bitcoin, but that shouldn't scare you. There are plenty of resources out there to help you through that. But yeah, it happens. <laughs> so did that guy control, and I don't know that much about digital wallets, did that guy control his own sort of setup for that wallet is everyone able to control like how many passwords they can type in and yes that whole thing yes yes and i use a a bitcoin what what's called a cold wallet and i don't have a deterministic end to it i if i miss if i forget my passcode or something like that it, it's not going to time out like that that wallet did oh okay yeah. it's just so every yeah it's just the wallet that he chose and bitcoin wallets have gotten so much more sophisticated than that three or four years ago Okay, so we are to a point now where if you need to try a few more times than three or four to remember your password, you're okay. <laughs> yes, and, and it's we have a saying in Bitcoin, not your keys, not your coin. If you can remember your keys, which is a series of words, you're going to have access to your Bitcoin. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Do you envision this being something that could be a resource or be helpful for people that are like planning – like life planning, like for retirement and like that type of thing, either either now or in the future? Is this a resource for that? You think? Abs absolutely. I've moved 100% of my IRA into Bitcoin. And the if you look at, well, and we can get into the numbers and all that, but there's a specific reason I did that. It, no one who's held Bitcoin for more than three and a half years and four years has lost their money. The average, and, and the reason I say it like that is because Bitcoin, what happens to a lot of newbies in Bitcoin is they buy Bitcoin, the price goes up, they're excited, the price goes down and they sell it, they panic sell. And if you panic sell, you're going to lose your money. Okay, a lot of people just lose their money because they panic sell. But if you're patient and understand that there's volatility, you're not going to get a return unless you're willing to accept the volatility. 
if you're in retirement right now, do you want to put 100% of your assets into Bitcoin? No, that's just, that's foolish. But if you can wait four years at least to access your funds, then Bitcoin's got excellent returns. The average return over the last 10 years has been 200% per year. Okay, so that's significant. And if you're 20, 30 years out, 15 years out from retirement, Bitcoin makes a, a makes a lot of sense. I, I th the, the other way to look at Bitcoin as an investment and or as for retirement is you've got to assess the risk. OK, so if Bitcoin continues to increase in value 200 percent per year, is it wise to not invest anything in it? No, that's foolish. Are you ready to invest 100 percent? Maybe. Are you ready to invest 50%? Maybe not. If you invested 1% to 2% and Bitcoin went down to zero, would that crash your account? Would that, would that ruin you? If the answer is no, then you should probably start with a 1% to 2% allocation. But if Bitcoin goes to what we think it's going to go within the next four to five years, which is ranges of anywhere between 5 to $10 million per coin, having 1% to 2% could really significantly, drastically change somebody's financial yeah, no, if it gets to that level, and I don't even know where it is now. What is it at currently? Yeah, it's dipping a little bit. It's it's about 40,000. Last year, it got to an all-time high of 69,000. And But yeah, so we're talking probably a 10 or 20, 20x over the next oh. years, yeah. Can you buy, I'm assuming you can, buy a portion of a Bitcoin? Absolutely, great question. So that's one of the other fears about Bitcoin is I can't afford $40,000. If you want to buy a dollar worth of Bitcoin, you can. They're called Satoshis. And so Satoshi after the inventor, Satoshi Nakamoto. And there are 100 million Satoshis in one Bitcoin. If you want to buy one Satoshi, you can buy one Satoshi. And that's the equity part of Bitcoin that's fascinating. You could be... The, the poorest of poor, but you have access to this phenomenal asset that the richest of rich have access to because you can buy 10 cents worth if you want to. So a Satoshi. Okay. Yeah, yeah. that's, that is good to know as well. Patrick, I know you've got some books coming out. I want to make sure to hit on those. You've got one, I think that is already out. That's really interesting and it will go substantially more into depth than what we're going to be able to hear. But I believe it's called The Christian Case for Bitcoin. Is that right? Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, I would love to. Thanks. Yeah, so The Christian Case for Bitcoin is not a technical review of Bitcoin, although it does discuss some technicalities of Bitcoin. Really, as the name implies, it, it lays the case for, it lays down the case for why Christians should be involved in this technology. And I look at it from the perspective of the Christian the church and missions. I've been involved in missions for my entire adult life. I feel like Bitcoin could really transform how we work within missions. I'm doing a project now down in Guatemala where we're trying to create a Bitcoin circular economy and create financial independence for those in developing countries. And so it's a high level philosophical view of what Bitcoin can do for society and the and then yeah. I'm working on another book right now. Hopefully it'll be out um, in the next couple of months called The Philosophy of Bitcoin and Religion. There are a lot of people that are having religious experiences, believe it or not, with Bitcoin. And I take Bitcoin and I put it through the crucible of, uh, the crucible of truth. And so that's coming out. And I've, I've done a course also called Bitcoin for Churches. If you're in a church that is interested in teaching the body about Bitcoin and or adopting Bitcoin. I, I have a system that I go through to teach the church about Bitcoin. Yeah. And are those available on Amazon or where can people get those? Only right now is the Christian case available on Amazon and Brown, 
the nook and all that. But the yeah. other ones, if you just reach out to me, I can hook you up with the Christ- Bitcoin for churches. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Definitely encourage people to check those out. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing your second one come out as well. Yeah. Patrick, this has been fun. Where can people follow along in your message or just follow you or keep up with what you're doing? I'm very active on Twitter and my Twitter handle is at ENT Surge. I'm an ear, nose and throat surgeon. So ENT Surge. And that's probably the best way. You can also email me. Feel free to email me pmelder at mac.com, P-M-E-L-D-E-R at mac.com. Okay. And you have a podcast. You have I a do. podcast yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. Mission Bitcoin. Yeah, absolutely. I was listening to that a little bit. Some cool conversations on there. Yeah. Um, thanks so much. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I encourage everyone to stay tuned. We have another segment. We're going to dive into more of the, the futuristic aspect of Bitcoin and, and, and blockchain, just did digital currency in general. So definitely stay tuned for that. But Patrick, this has been great. Really enjoyed this segment. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, thank you so much. Thanks for joining us in this series as we explore more about who Jesus is. So much in our society has been influenced by his life in some way. Something I think about is that if I wanted to be the best painter I could possibly be, I would probably find the best painter in history to pattern after, maybe Leonardo da Vinci. If I wanted to create a really cool computer company, I would probably follow Steve Jobs. Plus, I don't know, apples are my favorite fruit, so that sort of makes sense. If I wanted to live the best life I possibly could, not just a good life, not even just a great life, but the best life, I would try to find someone who lived life perfectly. The only person I know of who has done that is Jesus. If you heard something today you're curious about, you have questions on, or you simply want to learn how to apply the message that Jesus gave us to your own life, I invite you to reach out. You can contact us just by going to our page at befundbecon.com forward slash Jesus taught me that. I'll see you on the next episode.